The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. By the way, ooh, spicy, salty. I'm not making believe that like, oh, we're best friends now. You're really good with these tangents. Who is Jared Allen? Not the football player, obviously. In the Twitter video, you flip him off, right? I was just pointing to the cars below me. Poor guys over there having to write down every single time that I threw out the bomb. My mom is not going to be happy hearing all these beeps. Let's just buy cars for the whole family. Let's just have a fleet. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Actions Detrimental. I'm Denny Hamlin, driver the number 11, Toyota Camry for Joe Gibbs Racing, and my co-host, Jared Allen. What up, Jared? How are you doing? How was your week? It was good, actually. It was really good. It was cold. Cold as f- It was really But besides that, it was, it was good. I know. Coming back from the West Coast, it was... Uh, Yikes. Coming back to Charlotte, I'm like, <laughs> can we get some warm weather, weather around here? It was 80 when we were gone, but of course it's, you know, like yeah. 40 when we come back. But uh, man, it was, uh, so tell me about your week. Uh, you know, we, people always like, well, Denny, whatever, you know, talk about myself. Let's talk about you for a second. Like, give me some, tell me about your week. Okay. You well, do? I went to the races. I went to that the was this char- weekend. <laughs> Oh, you want to know like last week? I want to know about your oh, week. Okay. I want the people um, to know and figure out who is Jared Allen. What I do last week? Um, well, we that's came a back. Fu- from, that's a f- problem. Yeah, if it's, you don't know what you did, I mean, every week just blends in next. We came back from Phoenix. Oh, I had a lead climbing class. Um, so as you know, I'm into climbing. Yep. Um, so the next step in my climbing journey is learn how to lead climb. So pretty much climb up the wall and take the rope with you. So the rope's not attached to the top anymore. You take it up with you. Yeah. And you're putting in your own protection. Man. It's almost like a pilot, airline pilot, right? It's up to you to do all the exactly. checks, exactly. checklists of yep. making sure you don't have somebody at the bottom all, you know, being your safety net, I guess. Correct. And that, that was on Wednesday. And then Thursday, believe it or not, I went snowboarding for the last time this season in North Carolina, which had the best conditions we had all year. I saw that in actually, the middle of March. I, I follow Brad Panovich, uh, the yeah. meteorologist here in Charlotte. He's like, one of my favorite follows actually because he explains meteorology and like why the weather's doing this. It makes it that. cool. He does. I I love his vlogs and stuff. It's pretty cool. I'm such a nerd when it comes to that. But uh, he mentioned that the conditions were going to be good in the mountains of North Carolina. So yeah, glad they you guys lost that. all the snow like two weeks ago, right when it was 80 here, mm-hmm. and then they had a day Fresh. where they got another foot. And that's awesome. Yeah, I, this is. Maybe my first year where I haven't, I, I got no snow exposure. Maybe I think the only flakes I saw in person were in LA. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we so, had nothing here. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, huge uh, news week. Obviously, Hasbulo came he, to the States. He did. To LA. Las, we just missed Las him. Las Vegas. Yep. Just missed him. Man, that was cool, right? I actually uh, I went to his Instagram live. And uh, I saw him, you know, riding in the car down the Las Vegas Strip. And, you know, of course, he's got his window down videoing. And, and all these guys and, and girls are like, you know, just, att- you know, approaching his car and dying to get a photo with him. And, like, I find the guy so interesting. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, uh, last week was interesting for uh, myself. Certainly. Really? Yeah, it was. Certainly didn't believe... Uh, you know, uh, talking to the fans here, listening to this podcast um, would result in any kind of uh, penalty of any sort. But to my surprise, uh, that happened. So, yeah. so for people 
who may or may not be listening for this podcast for the first time, uh, last week, NASCAR fined you $50,000 and penalized you 25 points for admitting on your podcast, this podcast, um, that you intentionally wrecked Ross Chastain on the last lap of the race at Phoenix last Sunday. NASCAR cited you violating section 4.4 of the cup rulebook, which includes actions detrimental <laughs> to stock car racing. <laughs> it's interesting. You quoted what they said. Now, I'll tell you this. The reason I'm appealing is because I don't believe, I, I don't agree with any of it. And a lot of people are also asking, well, you tweeted initially that you would not appeal to NASCAR, but you would appeal to the people here on this podcast today. And I had all intentions of doing that. I had, I mean, how long was the list? It of, was long. Of notes that, that I had for our, our podcast today that... You know, I, it had to be at least three episodes worth of talking points, well, right? We had dis- Examples, talking points, all, all kinds of, of things that I was very, very angry about. And I initially was not going to appeal this because my owner, Joe Gibbs, who I love like family because we are family, called me and says, hey, I know, you know, this is obviously not ideal, but I've talked to sponsors. Uh, I talked to the team. We just want to let this go. We we just want to move on, and you know everyone's fine, but let's just not drag it out and and move on. And and I was like, fine. That you know it's not what I it, it's not what I like, but I'll do it because it, you know Dad's telling me so, and and right. I need to be a good teammate and and. A, you know, someone that uh, respects when my team owner, you know, asked me to do something. So then I slept on it and um, I just, I, I woke up and, and, I, and I looked at, you know, I got the email from NASCAR of the things that they said I did. And I called Joe back and said, Joe, I didn't do any of these things. And he says, well, you know, let... Denny, I don't know. Let's just, let me get the team together. Let's, you know, uh, let, let me get Dave Alpern here and get your crew chief in here and, and some other, other, other executives and let's, let's talk this out. And he says, okay. Then he put me on speakerphone and I explained to everyone, you know, exactly, you know, here's what they said I did. This is not, this is not truthful. This is not right. And at the end of it, they just said, we, we understand if you want to appeal, then we support you. And so here we are. We're not going to get into it today. We will when this appeal is over. I'm not going to sit here and, and explain my argument because it just gives the uh, plaintiff time to prepare. I think it's smarter if I just kind of keep uh, my opinions and my facts in my pocket and we'll, we'll go from there. But you know, my job on this podcast and what I did last week was give the fans listening an inside perspective of what they're hearing here. What did the TV not show? What did they show but maybe not explain? I'm trying to make sure and inform race fans that watch the race on Sunday or is, or are new to the sport and need explanations, you know, layman's terms of, of things to because they want to understand the sport. How many times have we heard people say, it's too damn confusing. I don't understand NASCAR. 
I'm coming here on Monday to try to help with that. This is helping the sport. So we'll move on from that. And well, uh, we'll, go ahead. No, I was just going to move on and say we could weigh in on someone else's opinion. We don't have to weigh in on yours on this right now, but sure. we can yeah, weigh yeah, in I mean, on someone else's. Yep, we can do that. What do you got? Which is Kyle Busch, who was interviewed this weekend. Um, and he had said, this is a long quote, so bear with me. Um, we have completely lost any sense of respect in the garage area between drivers. That's where the problem lies. Nobody gives two expletives, I think he said, about anybody else. And it's just a problem where everybody takes advantage of everybody as much as they can. We're all selfish, granted, but there was an etiquette that did live here. Mark Martin started it. Tony Stewart really lived by it. I think Jeff Gordon lived by it. So, I mean, it did exist. I've tried to talk to guys. They don't listen. So I've lost interest in talking to them. Fair statement. I can't refute it. I, I, anyone that follows me throughout my career, I've, I've, I feel like I've been one of those guys. And, of course, I've had um, moments where it, it looks like I don't live by these ethics or rules, but I, I talk about them often. Uh, but it certainly has changed, absolutely, um, within our sport. And agree with him, too, that also tried to talk to people. And it's like it just doesn't get through, and so you just feel like you're done talking, right? And so um, it is a shame. Certainly, I think you know I've talked about Kyle Busch. I think he's you know one of the fairest people on the racetrack. So I think he's. If you look at how competitive he is, and how few of incidents he's been in or started, like he's got a really good ratio. So he's probably somebody that uh, we should listen to in that instance, but. I agree with them. Uh, it certainly is lost. It, it, things have changed. But I have an opinion why it's changed. It's harder to pass now than ever. And that's a fact. That's interesting, though, that you're pinpointing that as one of the key reasons for this, right? Because I think, I don't know if we talked about just amongst ourselves, but I feel like the uh, sentiment has always been, oh, it's the younger guys coming up. They don't come up with the same amount of respect, right? But it doesn't sound like that's necessarily the case at all. It's because it's harder to pass. So that's dry. my opinion. My opinion is there's less give and take because you cannot get that spot back. Right. Like back in the day of, let's see here, Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, Mark Martin, uh, those guys. I remember the first three to five years of my career, I would let people pass on restarts to save my tires to then blow their doors off after 25 laps of green flag racing. Like it just, you could do it. it. You know, passing was just more, it was easier. If your car was significantly better than someone, then you could take it easy at the beginning and then step on their throats in the long run and then just demolish the field. But as tire fall off and lap time variation has changed in our sport, I actually, you know, I gave I was going to say this goes hand in hand with the lengthy aero discussion we yeah. had last week. Yeah, and it's which, not just aero, it's tires, it's racetracks, it's all those things. Um, you know, lap time fall off is a half, maybe less than half of what it used to be at all tracks just because of reduced power, tires are getting harder, made differently, surfaces, things like that. It just all equals tougher passing. So People don't feel like they can give a spot, get a spot. You know, it used to be, a, we used to say give and take. Yeah. Like, that shit's long gone. 
right? But it's just different now because passing is more difficult. Track positions more important than it's ever been. Like, it is someone coming back from a speeding penalty or something like your ass is done. You, I mean, you might get back towards the front, but you ain't winning the race. Like, it's it's not like it used to be in that sense, which. I'm the, you know, the old man talking about, you know, walking in the snow uphill both ways to school right now. But, but yeah, it's, it's just different. I think that that is a factor. And so rightfully so you have to fight for positioning more, um, than you used to. Uh, but you know, is that, is that a bad thing for TV and entertainment? Maybe not. I mean, they want to see us like closer together, fighting with each other over, track position i don't know that nascar or tv really wants to see us you know the old mark martin give and take you know pull over to the right wave them by like that's that's not as entertaining now for the purists they absolutely love it but it's that we're in a new age yeah there's probably a fine balance there between the two that you got to strike but i mean it seems like it's quite difficult to find that right to have these good rivalries but also this I mean, give and take passing, like yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, I mean that's it. Track. We're all fighting for track position, but I agree. He even mentioned his son. You know, or, or even in the short track ranks, like they have a black flag. Like they have a black flag for a reason. Like if they see intentional contact, I talked about it after the clash. All it takes for NASCAR to black flag one person for, you know, going out and you know sending somebody in a corner. Obviously, sending them into a corner and spinning them out on purpose. For them to reel back, you know what what we're seeing on on the weekends, and maybe something maybe it fixes some of this. What Kyle's talking about, but I don't think we're ever going to see it. I mean, I don't want them getting involved in any more balls and strikes calls as it is. So let's just leave that one as it is, and we'll we'll just you know fight it out on pit road uh, when we need to. So you know, it was uh, that. We hadn't even got to the weekend yet. No. But, but, you know, those were the comments that, that Kyle said on Friday. Uh, we had, man, kind of a show, Xfinity and truck race, you know, to start anyway. Um, unfortunately, you know, one of the social media stars from the weekend is Josh uh, Williams. And uh, he was a star because he got a lot of attention after parking his car on the front straightaway uh, at Atlanta. So if you didn't watch it, the Xfinity race on Saturday, which is the next level down from NASCAR cup racing, um, you know, that field is, is mixed with all kinds of different drivers, drivers coming up to the sport drivers, scratching and clawing to kind of make a business out of it. And then you've got the ones that are competing to go out there and win every single week. And, you know, Josh has been in this series for a few years now, and uh, I'd love to hear his story. I think he's going to be a door bumper clear. Yep. Uh, so make sure tonight, you tune in. I believe when you hear this, it'll be yep. Monday morning. Yep, so it'll be up. Will be out so I asked you guys, like, because he says, hey, if you need a podcast, podcast guest, and I'm like, oh, could this be our first one? And then by the time the race was over, and y'all actually asked me the question, say, hey, are we going to do the Josh thing? I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. And they're like, oh, well, he already signed with... Your boy Freddie beat us to the, to oh, the punch. Great. Beats me everywhere. Buffet line everywhere. So, <laughs> um, But no, it's it's great. It's, it'll be great to hear his story. I heard he does some really good things with some charities and whatnot. Uh, I love the old uh, Taylor Swift heart 
uh, into the camera is cool. But so he is a certainly a blue collar, uh, scraping and clawing to keep this thing going type of guy. You know this business or or, or you know the career or whatever. And so he gets called to well he gets called to take it to the garage and and park it. And I think this was kind of a NASCAR was just frustrated that the race kept going caution, caution. I know it was on uh, Twitter. I, you know, that's kind of halfway how I was watching the race because, you know, it, it it was the cautions were so long and so often that like I'm like, man, I can't, I can't. <laughs> this isn't entertaining me. So I'm checking out, you know, March Madness game in between, and. I see that, you know, people are really frustrated with the race. And then we got to talk about practice. Is that one thing or not? Uh, is that the reason for this? But anyway, the beginning of Xfinity race was a complete show filled with nothing but cautions. And I think NASCAR really got frustrated with that. I think they blew through their time window by the end of <laughs> the second stage on TV. But Josh was, I think, in my opinion, one of the more unfortunate people to uh, be in NASCAR's uh uh, path of of anger when they when this happened because we have cars that uh, so if you missed it Josh was part of a multi car wreck a caution or two before they try to repair his car there's bear bond it's freezing cold outside bear bond doesn't stick well which is why a lot of times you'll see teams uh, back when they could use bear bond in the Cup Series they would clean the car with brake cleaner try to get it as clean as they could and even heat up the bear bond and make it stick. It's freezing cold outside, so that doesn't stick well. And, you know, probably the people on this team are not A-list mechanics that you see at Joe Gibbs Racing or Penske Racing or whatever. And so these these guys are trying, you know, more than likely they're probably helping for the team more than anything. They're trying to get his car repaired, keep him on the racetrack to get him a good finish. And I guess a piece of bare bond, or which is a, essentially people at home a large piece of tape that is just like it's duct tape but it's probably three by three sheet you know uh, that they can just peel off bam put it on the car and act as a fender or whatever to hold stuff together well it comes off and then causes another caution and the tower loses it i guess and tells josh to park it and um he took exception to that <laughs> so he to say, Park, to say the least. He parked it. He parked it at the start-finish line and got out and left his car sitting there, and he walked casually to pit road. Across the infield. Yep. And uh, they they didn't like it, understandably so. You know, people were home or waiting for this race to go green eventually, and now they've got to bring out a, a tow truck and move his car off the racing surface. So... Everyone's like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. He's certainly going to get fined for this or you know, get penalized or whatever. And so I, 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 someone's social post is kind of a behind the scenes and you hear him go over the pit wall and the NASCAR uh, medical staff is telling him you, must, you need to go to the infield care center because your car was involved in a wreck. <laughs> and he says uh, something about... I, Again, I'm paraphrasing, but it looked like he was just like, you know, I'm not going or whatever like that. And he's like, you know, what are they going to do? Find me? He's like, I can't afford it. I can't pay it. I can't afford to pay it. So at that point, that's where you saw me respond saying, I'll pay your, I'll pay your fine, bud. Like, you know, I, 
I have some sympathy for someone like Josh that is trying to make it in this sport and is actually, you know, I'm hearing more and more about a story about how good of a race car driver he actually is in, in the lower ranks and late models and whatnot. And it's like, man, this guy's really got a story and it's, you know, I want to help out. You know, years ago, uh, the 32 team, um, the fast track team, something like that with Matt DiBenedetto. I know tires. That, yeah. yeah I so I bought him some tires to, to make it to the cup race because the team didn't have funding and I saw Matt on social media trying to get funding to go to the next race. And I'm like, you know, Hey, I'm in for five grand or 10 grand, whatever it is, uh, to, to keep this going. And, you know, so I sympathize with, with guys that are really trying to make it in the sport. And listen, I know I'm going to get tons of requests on social, but you can't help everyone. Right. I can't, you know, but I want to help when I can. And I just thought this is an interesting situation where, um, you know, I'm probably a little hot under the collar as well. And this guy certainly has a story that was interesting. And I'm like, you know, and I heard him say, Hey, I can't afford to pay it. I'm like, well, I'd love to see it the next race, buddy. So let's, let's get that taken care of. So I, I, I've had direct messages with him. I just said, you know, pinning any outcomes or whatever. I, you know, I meant what I said and I'll take care of it. So, uh, great dude. Would love to hear a story. Yeah. He actually, um, I don't know him personally, but um, I was introduced to him through his charity stuff because I have friends on Instagram and social media, right, whatnot, um, that do a lot of work with the uh, Levine Children's Hospital, and I've seen their posts that include have included Josh Williams a bunch of times, like race car driver Josh Williams. So, wanting to know who that is, right? I'm in the racing world. Who is Josh Williams? I've gone out and Googled, right? Oh, he's an Xfinity driver. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But also, one of my favorite things about this story is that Antonio Brown quote tweeted the video <laughs> I think, of him walking I think across he deleted the, it, but like oh did he I, I i think i saw that but like awesome stuff yeah, right it was like it was a heart and a dragon so i don't <laughs> snake and i don't know i don't yeah. know what he was trying to say there yeah so those who you also that don't know antonio brown is the infamous uh wide receiver that bounced around a few teams but then finally decided he would quit on the sideline while playing for the, Tampa bu- Bay? the Bucks, yeah. the Bucks, right with and Tom Brady. So, yep. So he took his shirt off, walked through the end zone, waved bye to all the fans, and I don't think we've seen him since, have we? No. Yeah, that was it. Hopefully, we see Josh again though this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was kind of cool. But you know, for the race itself uh, on Sunday, how about let's talk about the Cup race? Okay. So that was Saturday night Cup race today. Joey Logano wins his thirtieth race with Penske. He's only what we say, thirty-two years old. Yeah, man, it pains me to say this because we've had such a rivalry over our career. But dude's making serious argument to be like Mount Rushmore. Uh, I mean, so he's averaging. Let's think about this real quick. He's been in the series roughly ten or eleven years. Yep, thirty-two wins. Yep. Let's just let's just bump him up on the average and say he's averaging. Three wins per year. Yep. He's got at least 10 more years. I mean, that's that's on the low end, right? If he the, wants it, right? 10 more years. Double his win total? Where is he at? 60 Six, plus. That's, <laughs> that's pretty fucking legit. I mean, he's... Man, he's And two he's championships, it. for what two it's worth. Two championships, like... Man, I, you know, I don't think he'll... I don't think he will get to whatever Kyle Busch's total ends up being. Kyle Busch has got a less run, uh, shorter runway than what 
Joey's is, but Joey's on top of his game. You know, I don't think how I don't, I'm not really sure how you can argue, uh, you know, how good he is, especially at super speedways. The Fords itself, I mean, yeah, I had written down here that while the Fords still they have less numbers than Chevy, they dominate speedways. And 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 I thought about it. I was like, why is that? Well, they got four of what my opinion of the top five super speedway racers in the Ford camp, and so they work so well together and so committed to each other. It's hard to beat. I mean, man, I, I just it. With super speedway racing being so different than it used to be, now that it's just too wide racing, you get some guys committed to each other. It's it's going to be tough. I mean, Brad and those guys, uh, are, you know, led a bunch. I thought Brad was in control. He was kind of playing the lines at the end, but yeah, Joey I mean, got the push. He he finds ways to put himself in the right position at the right time. And it ain't luck because he keeps doing it over and over and over. So you gotta you you gotta tip your cap to the guy and and you know maybe he's the most underrated. We had that on our show last. Who's the most underrated in the Cup Garage? Like, why does no one ever say Joey Logano? I don't Is think that, Kyle I don't Larson. think Joey can be underrated though. He's a two-time sure. champion with As- thirty wins. Absolutely. Well, why are they never saying he's? One of the greatest, you know, best drivers out right now. Well, got, I don't see him on those lists. Oh, I see yeah. those lists all the time, and it's he's never at the top of it. But how can you argue? He's averaging three wins a year. His win percentage at, since he's went moved to Penske is unmatched. Yeah. I think I'd like to see those lists because, in my opinion, since I've been in NASCAR, I'm not arguing he, that he's not in the on the list, right? But I'm arguing should he be at the top. Oh, of the best in the series. Yeah. Currently. Arguably, arguably yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I do. I, I, I think so. I think he deserves his, all the credit he gets. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because you kind of look at like, you know, how he, he still gets tons of booze. I, I think it's just, you know, you wrecked the wrong people at the wrong time early in your career and they just, you know, fans don't really let it go. But, you know, as far as talent on the racetrack, it's hard to, it's hard for me to put many, if anyone, on top of him. Especially right now, he just continues to win big moments, wins. Um, he gets it done. So uh, the race itself, I thought, was um, pretty uneventful. I guess the first two stages. Yeah, it was. I mean, a lot of it is because it's just this style of racing where no you you can't pull out i mean you can't you get a big run unless you know there are four to five cars at least behind you that is willing to take the same make the same move you are at the same time you are going to go straight backwards doesn't matter how fast your car is you can't pull out of line pass the car in front of you then get back up now you can at the very front of the field you know you see the slide jobs that are going on but not in the middle of the pack. You just can't. You know, it, it's so, so difficult. So what we do is we typically race for about two to three laps after restarts, and then we settle in and we ride. And riding is a very loose term. We're all racing, right? We're trying to keep our position, making sure we keep the gap in front of us tight 
That way someone can't slide us and, and go from behind to sliding in front of us. Uh, but it's just the nature of, of, of this car and how it races on these types of tracks. You race for about two, three laps, then you just kind of settle in because you know, there's not a lot of air getting disturbed. There's not two and three wide where there's big pockets of air for you to dice around and move around. You have to stay in line because it's a numbers game. Uh, I think Clint mentioned it on the on the broadcast, that, or maybe it was Tony, one of the two, about this is strictly a numbers game. It, it doesn't matter about the speed of your car. Most times the moves you make, it is like get in whatever line has the most amount of cars and you will go forward. Um, so that's, that's what we're racing and, and it's a different type of skill set than what it used to be. But in my mind, two is the best at it in super speedway racing five years ago or 10 years ago, Joey Logano and Brad Kozowski are battling for the race win on the final lap. So, you know, while it might be different, the, the guys with the best skill set still are up front. So does manufacturer matter? It does. I think that, I think we... At Toyota made a strategic bad move. I, I heard Reddick speak about it in his post race that like it sounded like they were trying to get me clear of Joey. And I think with a few laps to go, I was briefly clear of Joey yeah. on the inside line. And the Toyotas led by either I think it was led by Reddick. Then Bell. Yep. And then I was behind Bell. I think they were trying to move down to the bottom, but some, you know, we always, our spotters that are in our ears telling us when the car that is behind us is pushing, when they are clear. And I'm thinking that it's possible they told them that I was not clear, so they stayed up the racetrack, which then left the bottom wide open for Joey to just take a big run and, and make a run towards the front. So, yeah, certainly we could be better. Um, we're, we're at a numbers disadvantage anyway, but you just look at the the guys that that do it well. Even though, even when the numbers are stacked against them, like they just do it so well, they find a way to up, up front. And especially the Penske guys that you know, you saw Joey kind of playing some games at the end of the stage. He didn't want to lap the twelve car because he knew he was going to need him at the end of the race. That was so smart, right? I mean, did I think he was going to be able to check up the field like that and keep us all behind? Hell, I mean, we would I, listen. When I saw the three, the twelve, and somebody else about to get lapped, you know, for a second time, you go down two laps, you're you're in big trouble. I'm like, let's lap these fuckers. Like, we don't. I don't want to. You know, that might come back and, and haunt Joey that he didn't lap the three and the twelve, um, but. It was so smart and strategic because he kept one of his allies in the race, right? Someone that he knows that when he's behind him, he's going to push him no matter where he goes. And so um, they just do an extremely good job of working together. And you see the results of it. That That's just a fact. So, you know, there were two big wrecks. Um, there was the first one, I think. Well, which one happened first? I think it was... Harvick oh. and Chastain happened first. Yep. And and I can give some insight on that. I think what was going on there was that I was leading the outside line. Harvick was beside me. And Chastain was giving big pushes to Harvick down on the bottom. And I think they wanted to get up in front of me. Um, I don't know about Harvick, but I think Chastain did especially. And so he ran into the corner really close behind Harvick because 
I thought that they were going to try to both get clear of me and then move up, which, I mean, that's what I would have done. Uh, it's the best move. And I think that when, when Chastain committed to, hey, I need to run through the corner as fast as I can down here on the bottom to clear the 11, he got just close enough to the four that it it got the four car loose, which that's just that's just racing. That's, you know, basically the closer you get to the back end of the car in, in front of you, the more rear grip it takes away. And the four car was just too loose, spun out right in front of the one, and it was a huge wreck. And so uh, that took out, you know, some some cars, uh, some good cars, certainly. And then you got... Do you, uh, real quick, before we move on to this next wreck, do you, when, you're dr- when you're driving, do you realize how close you are to being caught up in these things? I knew I was close. I didn't realize the 17. Yes. I didn't see that. No, there are many times where I didn't. I don't see the car coming from the bottom to the top and barely clipping, you know, barely clearing my rear bumper. I didn't see that till I saw the in car. Okay, I was like, so you don't have like a sense of close. Yeah, very close, (laughs) very close. So that you know that kind of shook up the race, and then I'm thinking, okay, so that put us all in a fuel window. We were then all good to pit and then make it to the end of the race. So there was going to be no green flag stops from there on out. We all pitted. I came in second. And unfortunately, at these types of racetracks where not a lot of cars go a lot down, when you take fuel only you and you're pitted in the middle of pit road, you really kind of are in a vulnerable spot, of, especially when you're up front and there's a bunch of cars all in line. Haven't got to their pit box yet. Haven't got to the pit box. I come out. The 43, Eric Jones, thank goodness. Ty Dillon. Oh, go ahead. Well, he checked up first to let me out because usually that's kind of the the ethics a little bit. Not everyone kind of plays by it, but usually if, if the car, if it's simultaneous where both cars are leaving at the same time or one is coming in, one's going out, you should give the right away to the guard going out because he's earned that spot. To, he was there first, right? He's to the spot first. It's like a blocking foul in, in, in basketball. Uh, but he checked up the 77 went around him then needed to turn into his pit box and <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving mine. I clipped the 77. I have to stop, go back in first gear, take off. So I lost seven positions on that. And I'm like, daggone it. You know, track position means so much. Well, normally, I mean, listen, it's 70 to go and I'm running restarting ninth. I would back in the day, I've been like, F- I can be ninth with, two laps ago i'm i'm good like but track position means everything so it just kind of i knew that i was going to be in that line for a while until things got shook up and uh we had another shakeup with 50 to go almarola blows a tire in front of the field uh which is interesting we didn't see any of that in um last you know we saw it last year with cars that were leading at atlanta they would but i i thought that we kind of you know changed some things and kind of Got that problem under control, but I think he was the only one of the day that that blew a tire kind of out of the blue, and um, right in front of the field took out Larson and a few other guys, um, and then from that point on, it's just all about trying to position yourself. Like, how can I stay in the line with the most cars? But if I see an opening down low, should I take it? Then risk going back to twelfth. Definitely not going to win from there. And so I'm just kind of stuck in that fifth to six for the last 50 laps. And 
that yo-yo effect. Right. Well, that, that's kind of what I want to ask you about because there was a moment with somewhere between 25 and 30 to go where you were, again, you were in line with the Toyotas, right? You were the third car in that Toyota line. You were clear of Joey, who was the first car in that bottom line. I'm just wondering why you may have not have moved down in front of him with 25 to go. Because that would have mean I made a move on the 20. Okay, so Which, you were uh, that was not going to happen no matter what. You were I wanted to stick with to the 20, line. but I also didn't. <laughs> I, I just, damn it, I just feel like, you know, there's just been such an emphasis on team that like, that's not how I won super speedway races back in the day. I just kind of used whoever is around me to propel my car to the front. But I tried to stick with the 20, and he actually pulled down to the bottom. At the end of the race. Well, during that moment when I barely cleared, he pulled down and I'm like, if I pull down, Joey for certainly is getting to my right rear or whoever's pushing me. And now I'm going to be stuck on the bottom in the, in the third lane. And my car wasn't working well on the bottom anyway in traffic. So I'm like, I don't want to be down here. I'd rather just stay up top, which is why you saw me decide to stay up top. But that kind of put me on an island. Okay, so. so that did that thought did go through your head. You did think about that. I I did, but I just I did I never want to get caught third car, fourth car on the bottom. I'm box. You're boxed in at that point. You got a yellow line right below you. You got cars on your outside that probably are going to crowd you. It's just a it's a box I don't want to be in. At least if you're in the top line, you've got outs. You've got chances to you know go higher put someone through wide middle, something like that. But it's, uh, I just, I second guess myself, but I also was kind of didn't have, I didn't think the car in traffic that I needed to, to make the moves that I needed to be aggressive. So that's what, what we had, but you know, it was, um, I thought it was a great race, a great finish. I, you know, last lap pass, which no is, caution, no wreck, you know, proud of the field. Let's give a round of the f- applause to the field for not crashing in the last 50 laps of a super speedway race or 40 laps, uh, I, I saw where Brad said that, look, Hey, we can, we can do it. We can do it. Uh, it was cool to, to be able to at least not have a green, white checker, just, you know, complete wreck fest at the end. Um, but a lot of that has to do with the people that are up front, honestly. Um, they, they, they're, they're some of the best and that's why you see them, uh, winning so much. What did you make of the new pit road at Atlanta? Man, it's long. I mean, I thought it worked out okay, though. I mean, certainly it's a disadvantage if you get caught pitting and then a caution comes out because you're going to be about two laps down, two, three laps down almost. But I thought it worked fine. I didn't see any issues. It just definitely puts an emphasis on don't make any mistakes, that's for sure. Yeah, is it any more challenging getting onto pit road when it's set up like that? Yes and no. Yes and no. NASCAR did a good job actually putting some markers on the inside that, you know, like they do for uh, braking markers that, that they do for road courses. I think they had them one through six. So 100 feet from the break from the spot to 600 feet. And uh, I thought it was a, a pretty good reference. It would be like, I'm kind of referring to if you're in the top lane, like you got to make sure if you're running a double file, you got to make sure that you can get to the bottom lane first before you're going to come to pit road, right? Because you can't get to pit road from the top lane, which you, I guess in some situations you kind of could at Daytona, right or wrong? Uh, yes. Y- yes. It, it was interesting because as you're leaving pit road, 
it's right at the point when you merge onto the racetrack mm-hmm. where then people are then turning hard left and then braking. So it's it's the same spot, but and I and I saw Kyle Larson raise those concerns, but it uh, you know in our you know, our chat, but it's it didn't it didn't look like it affected anything. But again, I was in a spot and I'm in a cocoon, so I don't see everything that's going on during the race. But um, I thought it all worked out okay, to be honest. So Atlanta, th- new Atlanta, thumbs up. Thumbs down. It's just different. I mean, it's just different. I mean, it is what it is now, right? We've reconfigured it. It, you know, um, it's just a different, different type of race. I mean, you know, certainly Saturday's uh, race wasn't, you know, the greatest look. wasn't the most entertaining for a very long period of time. Uh, but you could look at Sunday and say, well, that was pretty entertaining. Pretty good race. Last lap pass. What more do you want? Um, so I think that it's, uh, it's a balance for sure, but I mean, we've, we've got what we got now. Uh, and I thought that what happened on Sunday was probably the best case scenario. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. Dear Danny, we need answers and we need them fast. We tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Well, with that, let's move on to some Dear Denny. This is probably my favorite section of this podcast <laughs> each week now. Um, we got a few qu- uh, listener questions. First one I'll start with is, how important is practice? In the broadcast today, Clint Boyer said it makes no difference, and Tony Stewart said it allows teams to save a lot of money. They don't have to buy rental cars and hotels and all that stuff. Both are right. Um I, I just I think this goes into a different type of category. I'm a team owner, so I agree that the savings that we found during COVID when we didn't have practice was a large number. I do think though we miss out on storylines. And I and I and I got to thinking about this a little bit and you know, because this this has been a topic for a very long time. No, it doesn't make a difference in the on track product. Probably, probably not. I mean, we saw Daytona. You know, the guys had some mechanical failures. That that's a bummer. You wish they could have a few minutes to see that coming. But how has most sports boomed? Gambling, gambling, and so how do you get people interested in NASCAR on a recreational level? The casual fan right? People love to have action on a game. And, you know, and I think that people that like to have action on a game at least like to know something about what they're betting. And if you don't have any practice speeds, there's no information, they're just guessing. And I think that, you know, people that, you know, are religious bettors or whatever, at all sports during all seasons. I don't know that they get a ton of information about the sport to make informed bets. Probably. I mean, if I had to guess, so, you know, why, when, when you don't have that, you know, you don't have that for information. I think that that maybe limits you on, on that side. Right. And I know that 
uh, you know, fantasy and, um, you know, sports betting on NASCAR is something that NASCAR, I think, is trying to push to help grow our audience. And to get the casual fan, you need, we need to get more information on it. And the next is the storylines, right? We, we do miss out on some storylines in the buildup of the weekend, right? There's always who's fast in practice, um, what storylines came from practice, right? Uh, this team's got an engine fair. They got to go to the back. Uh, what happened? What caused it? Was there a wreck in practice? Like, there's just some things that I think uh, you do miss out on without you know, practice, but we do, you know, we, we have 20 minutes of practice oh, a week, but it's on Saturday. Um, you know, if we're just talking about super speedways, I agree. Generally speaking, let's not, let's not include the Daytona 500. The race is way too big to not have practice. It's just something. Um, I think most team owners would agree that Daytona 500 let, let's, let's get our cars on the track. Let's, let's start talking about this biggest race uh, of the year. Atlanta is such an in-between one. Taldega, we don't need practice. Um, I agree with that. Atlanta is definitely a tweener of, like, I, I, if I had to err on one side, it probably needs, it wouldn't hurt to have 20 minutes to practice. But also, I'd be fine leaving it as is as well. So I, I, I definitely think that, Practice, though, is important for our sport. Do you agree with the, the practice times, right? Because practice used to be an hour. I guess it still is in some cases. Like, Do you agree? Do you, do you care 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? No. No. I, I, you know, we used to have hours of practice, right? We would have, uh, you know, maybe an hour, even 90 minutes yeah. on a Friday. We'd follow that up with, um, you know, a 55 or 50-minute practice, which they called happy hour on Saturday to fine tune. Um, but no, I, I think it's, I think certainly it's fine. I, you know, that's a, that's an adjustment to our sport sport that we've made because we've, we've gotten smarter. Uh, but there's certain extenuating circumstances where I think we can, we can change it and be a little different. You mentioned leaving a city a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, you mentioned leaving the city of a race during that race weekend. Did you leave this weekend in Atlanta? Um, I did this weekend. I did. I went back and forth. Simply put, because like it's a thirty-minute flight from Charlotte, and you know I'm lucky enough to be able to, to uh, fly right into the racetrack there at Atlanta, so I can be from you know the racetrack to the airport in about five minutes, and then I can you know I'm twenty-five minutes from the airport here uh, in Concord to my house and and. Uh, Cornelius. So I can be door to door in an hour. And so I just figured, Hey, if I'm done, uh, around 1230, one o'clock on Saturday, I don't have anything to do till two o'clock on Sunday. I decided to go home. I had, uh, I had my dog with me. Um, I knew the kids were, uh, well, they were with their mom on Saturday. So I, I needed to have, I needed to go back and get them cause they were going to come to the race with me on, on, Sunday. So I went back for that reason. Not just like, you know, listen, there's plenty of nights I'm going to be, you know, on my bus. And so why not take advantage of when I'm close? Um, and so that's what I did. And, uh, I enjoyed it. I like, I like kind of coming back home. I watched the Xfinity and truck race, um, and you know, just chilled out. Didn't do much, uh, worked out this morning. 
uh, went and picked up the kids off to the airport and, and go. So uh, I do it, per, you know, I, I wouldn't say I do it often, but I do it every now and then. There you go. If you want more answers like that, you just have to ask whatever question with the hashtag Dear Denny and uh, get them answered on this show. You didn't have much going on today before the race. Like you mentioned, did you watch uh, any of the F1 start at 1 o'clock? I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't see it. I just saw a few. Um, you know, I was kind of dipping in and out of the bus through appearances, watching it. Then I had to go do uh, my own uh, stuff. And so um, w- what you got from it? I was just going to we, – we followed up from last week about wondering what fans thought yeah. in one word. Um, F1 and NASCAR. So we, we got a few of those answers. Yeah. So we wanted, we wanted to ask the fans that because, you know, because it's interesting that, you know, sometimes we put F1 on this pedestal or at least the people, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, we're in such a bubble, like, you know, the people I follow clearly have one view and, and so I wanted to hear from the people that follow me, like what, what are they? What are their feelings, right? And and what, what what do we get for answers? I asked for one word. Tell me how you would describe F one. Tell me how you would describe NASCAR. What was our what was our answers? Well, we got a bunch of stuff on on both sides of the aisle for both F one and NASCAR. A few that came up here uh, for F one: thrilling, prestigious, technology, pinnacle. Uh, but then on the flip side, we got boring, uh, casual, uh, pretentious bougie which i think <laughs> actually probably is is a good thing um, and then on the nascar side long grit uh restricted blue collar family crashing okay diehards yeah so it's now again should we should we probably say that the people we, that are following me or nascar fans yes we should right? also right we, we asked this question because we were trying to um pull from F1, what NASCAR could do right. better. What we could right? do in NASCAR to grow the sport like F1 yes. is growing. Uh, can I just say, we shouldn't censor our athletes. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> uh, I, you know, when I look at these answers, I think that they're saying pinnacle because it's people view it as the, you know, the... Uh, the highest form of motorsports, hardest to get in, hardest to compete, hardest to win. It's international. Um, tens of millions of people watch every single week. Uh, so it's hard to argue that. Um, I think that the NASCAR fans are probably biased that, you know, I'm, the bougie, all those things. Technical, agree with that. That's what interests me about F1 is the, the technical aspects of it. I think uh you know tv does a great job of informing me of i have would have no clue what the hell's going on in the race um if it wasn't for them uh so i think those answers are fair um nascar one i mean long boring action racing gritty blue collar sounds sounds like our fans right i mean this is um, it's what I see when I log on social media. It's what they're, you know, it's how, you know, you would stereotype our sport. Um, I do think that we're going through some changes with it though. I think that while this has been a, a South, Southeastern regional thing for a long time, we 
we've branched out. We're spreading our wings. We're going to Chicago and the city. Uh, we're in Sonoma. We're near the LA market. We're in Vegas. I mean, it certainly seems like we we could make some changes, but I feel like we're we're on our way to doing them. I, I really do. I think that we're on a very good path as far as that's concerned. Uh, I would like to see us be more technical, but it's very hard to make this super technical when we're all buying the same things. We're, we're taking this 200-piece Lego set, and we're all just there. You know, Here's the Lego set. You can put it together any way you want. We're all putting it together the same way. I mean, it's not much to that. Um, the cars are all so close. We're all running the same times that it's hard to kind of make it super technical. We've taken the technical aspect out of it to to try to save some cost on, on the cars themselves. Um, so uh, long, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I've, uh, I've definitely been an advocate for shorter races. Now, I don't want to short the fans that, that come for, you know, 600 miles away and drive their RV and, and come camp out for the whole weekend and give them a one hour show. That's not what I, I think anyone wants. Uh, would love to see it fit in a under three hour window somehow. Right. I mean, even if we have to fill it with some post race, like that's a good thing. I think we used to yeah. really have a lot of post race and now it's just, Hey, if you want to check it out, go log on to Peacock. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, so we do lose a little bit of that. Um, you don't you don't get as much um, driver interviews as you used to. I know today it was great to hear Fox. I, I know that I sat on pit road because they said, "Hey, we want to have the availability to talk to all of the top ten. I was like, "Oh, cool. We must be under our window. That's that's a good thing. So I'd like to see us undershoot the window we've got because we usually go over anyway. And then if we need to fill at the end. We, we've we, we got plenty of good content to do that yeah the two words that really stick out to me here are the the bougie for f1 and the blue collar for nascar and there's nothing wrong with blue collar i actually think blue collar in nascar is one of the um best things it's what, best attributes that's where we came from right and right the, fact the that bootleggers you can, and all that stuff yeah. right i mean this is what our sport is built on and came from yeah you know people you know taking their their car that they you know, or driving to the racetrack, knocking out the damn headlights, mm -hmm. you know, putting racing tires on it, and maybe not even that sometimes, and going and racing. Like, so that is us, right? I yeah. mean, you see the people wrenching on the cars. That's what, man, as a society, I really hope we can, it's not just all about you know, Ubers and shit like that, right? And lifts. Like, yeah. I really, and, and I believe it. I, I, I believe that there will always be an aspect of people that love to have the fastest car right and and have a, a great ride and so and and some people working on it right and fixing it up on their own i think that that's that's where our sports built on and and a lot of what our fans do yeah on the flip side of that though the bougie thing is like in today's world that's that's what sells on social media and social media is your i mean it's your key marketing platform right people yeah. want to see joe burrow walk into the stadium with sunglasses they can't afford and fair very fair all these other they're things. superstars because they can do exactly. things and, and buy things that most people can't and, right and a lot of times that's that's why that's why they're superstars they're movie stars they're athletes like they're they just do things that we can't and and that's that that's interesting it is to me anyway not to everyone lastly one of those superstars is 
coming to Coda next week. Kimi Raikkonen along with a handful of other. Uh, give me the list. Who? So we got, yeah, I'll give it to you. We got Kimi Raikkonen, who's driving the 91 car for, for Trackhouse. We got Jordan Taylor, who's taking over the 9 car. We got Jensen Button in the 15 car. Connor Daly, Jimmy Johnson, and that's it. Jimmy Johnson. There's five of them. Wow. I, I, I had mean, another name here listed, but they're not driving. Like, these are legit. These are yeah. legit badass drivers that are just they have their own accolades and different series and whatever, but I mean these are these are superstars in their own right, right? Like it's Kimi Raikkonen, Jensen Button, Jordan Taylor. I mean I might run 20th. <laughs> I mean, well, I did last year on, on road courses, but I I'm going to contest that that was not my fault. That was a machine problem. Um, but man, it's, uh, that's great that we've got, uh, those guys going to come compete. There's should certainly should be a lot of buzz around that event with those people competing. So it's going to be cool to share a racetrack with them. That's for sure. And in the booth, we got Gunther. Yes. Right. Yeah. This should be interesting for sure. Gunther and Kurt and Kurt. (laughs) I mean, great duo. Props to Fox. You give Fox a hard time sometimes, but yeah. That'll to pull this off is awesome. Yeah, it, it is. And, um, yeah, I, listen, I'm always a, a fan of, you know, having a, a booth that's very consistent. They, they they certainly build chemistry, and they know, you know, when one talks, the other one starts. And, like, it's, you know, there's no talking over each other. But uh, that's going to be interesting for the fans. Uh, people don't, you know, tell people who Gunther is. He's Yeah, he's the president of Haas F1. Yeah, uh, and, and just uh, I don't really know how to explain him. Just a very fascinating guy. He he just took over the Drive to Survive series like, with his attitude, the way he speaks. Um, I think it helps that he he's cusses the, a lot. He cusses a lot. That's yeah. why I like him. Okay. Yeah. He actually lives uh, up in Lake Norman or has a house uh, listed under his Near name. Near you, in, right? Yeah, down the street. Boy, you're in the high rent district or what? I, yeah, me, Austin Payton, Justin <laughs> Allgaier's up there. Yeah. Nice. Must pay well. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's all we have for, for everybody uh, on this sixth episode of Actions Detrimental. Um, before we close out, remember to rate, review, and follow Dirty Mo Media across all social channels. And anything else you want to add? Yeah. What about me? Oh, I feel like they Come know on, that. Man. At Denny Hamlin. And well, yeah, you never don't know. What about what about you? Me. You can. Everyone can follow me at Jared D Allen. Um, How's your followers? Is it going up? I've gotten like an extra 600 or 700. Not, not too what? much. What? Yeah. Come on, folks. I feel like Ron gets Give more. Give Jared D. Allen a follow. Come like on. It. He's worth it. So, I like it. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Peace. Check out Dirty Mode Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.